your Stillmeyer Games livecast. This is Jamie from Stillmeyer Games. I'm joining you from St. Louis. And as usual, it's 10 o'clock a.m. Central Time here in St. Louis. You can see in the background my little guy, Biddy, uh, my 15-year-old cat. Oh, he's going to go to the bathroom on camera. Excellent. Um, I'll start off with a little story about Biddy. Biddy went to the vet yesterday um, to get some teeth pulled. He had what my vet suspected to be some uh, tooth decay. And so she did an x-ray and um, ended up removing a total of 15 teeth. Biddy's 15 years old and he, he has pretty bad teeth. And uh, I'm just watching him here in the background. And he, uh, yeah, he just, um, I think his, he had some, some tooth decay, some infections impacting the teeth and uh, the dentist had to remove 15 teeth, including, um, I haven't taken a close look at them, but according to what the vet said in, in the notes, uh, his two prominent front canines. So he's a little woozy today. He's figuring things out. He's very hungry because he didn't get to eat much yesterday. And that's why he's hanging out near the food bowl. But uh, the poor little guy, he's just been, um, been drooling a lot, trying to figure out what life is going to look like without those front two teeth. Uh, the good news is that uh, when cats have tooth decay, they really stop using the teeth that give them pain. And so Biddy most likely has not actually been using the teeth, uh, the, the teeth that have had that decay for quite some time now. And so he, he won't have much of an adjustment period other than figuring out where to put his tongue and how to drool or how to not drool. But I, I, my, my heart has just been constantly with the little guy over the last 36 hours or 24 hours. I guess yeah, I, I dropped him off at the vet a little bit earlier today. Um, He's off camera now, so I'll stop talking about him. But uh, thank you, Susanna, for, for uh, saying poor Biddy. Yeah, poor little guy. Thank you, Carlos. So good morning, Tim, Tony, Keith, uh, Jordan, everyone who's joining in today. Thank you for joining in. As always, I'm here to share Stonemeyer Games news, to discuss some random topics, and to, uh, to answer your questions. Um, first off, I, I actually, second off, I will thank Carell who uh, gave Alex, Alex, so Alex went to Essen recently. Alex is our director of sales and, and, um, and logistics. And Alex was at Essen for a few days. He met uh, Carell, who has worked with the solo team for a long time and is now kind of the lead designer developer for Rolling Realms promos. I still work close, closely with him, but Carell has become a huge help for, with that. He also helps out with, um, with craft design. And so Carell was very kind to share their love of Belgian chocolates with the Stillmire Games team, including this series of chocolates. This used to be two rows, but I love chocolate, so I've already eaten quite a few of them. Carell, thank you for giving me this chocolate. This is my chocolate of the day. Let me know uh, what your indulgence of the day is today, if you have one. Uh, Tim says, how many teeth do cats normally have? So Biddy had 15 removed yesterday. He has eight left, so that's 23. And I think he previously had a few pulled anyway. So I'm guessing around 28 to 30 teeth. So Biddy has now lost around a, a third to uh, to to a four, no, well to two thirds to three fourths of his of his teeth. He's back on camera now here. Hey bud. Susanna confirms that she has also eaten almost all of her Belgian chocolates that she received as well. Tony says, um, wanted to let you know that his bird buddy Kickstarter arrived yesterday. He's ready for some real life wingspan. Yeah, Tony mentioned this a while ago, Tony, maybe a year ago, two years ago, that you backed a, uh, a camera that would, would focus on your, your bird feeder, your real life bird feeder, not your, your wingspan bird feeder. Although it would be very funny for you to set it up during a game of wingspan facing the bird feeder um, and, and, and show and post a video of, of that style of bird feeder and what, uh, what emerges from that. But uh, yeah, that's great. Let me know how it goes. Let's see. Uh, Chris says, he got his Rolling Realms and Viticulture World this weekend in the mail. Awesome. He says, if I sleeve the Continent cards, will they fit in the nice insert in the Viticulture World box? So we did design the insert to fit sleeve cards in all dimensions. Um, there's there's a, a buffer in all, in all three dimensions for you to fit sleeves in there. I can't guarantee it fits every type of sleeve because there are some very, very thick sleeves out there. But, uh, but it should fit them quite well. You might want to experiment with a little bit at first to see if your particular sleeves do work in the insert. Uh, feel free to give it a try to see if it works for you. Blake says, is there a game that you ran into a roadblock or stall with while designing? What was your strategy in working through this? 
I would say it's really happened probably with every single game I've worked with, worked on. And the key for me, really, the, the key for me to move forward with with any of the games that have made it to publishing at this point is that I'm always working on two games at a time. Um, and that way, if I reach a roadblock with one of those games, I set it aside for a little bit and work on the other game. That way I'm still progressing, I'm still moving forward, I'm still thinking about game design. And oftentimes, even when I'm working on the other design, I'm still thinking about the uh, the original a little bit. And my brain in the, in, in the background is kind of working through those problems. And then when I return to it, I'm typically able to find a solution for that problem. So that is my typical approach, to have two designs going at any given time, and that, that has really, really helped me work through those roadblocks. I want to talk about one thing, one big thing real quick. I, I'll talk about this on tomorrow's blog post as well, but the, a big thing happened at Stonemaier Games this past weekend. We had our annual design day. I think it is our 10th design day, if I'm counting correctly. This is a, a prototype playtesting game design event that is not for Stonemaier Games at all. We host it, but it's not really for us. It is for game designers to come into St. Louis, to come into Pieces Board Game Bar and Cafe, and join us for a day of playtesting where they play their games, they might end up playing games from, or hopefully they play games from other designers as well, and even some published games as well. So we don't only focus on, on games that, that are in, in, uh, in design at this point in time. And the, so this was all day on Sunday, we hosted this. There were around between 80 or 90 people there. And uh, I, I absolutely love the creative energy in the room from designers from all over the country. People came in from all over the US to either to showcase their designs or just a play test, which is incredible to me that a number of people came in from, from Florida, from Connecticut, from uh, California, from Seattle, just to play test. Like that many of those people weren't even there to showcase their game. They were just there to hang out and play games and offer their feedback, which is, I think that's astounding. That's incredible. So thank you to everyone who did that. Thank you to all the designers who put themselves out there. And tomorrow's blog post will be about this subject. I'll recap it, I'll share some photos, and I'll share um, some other information about some of the, the, the games that were featured at Design Day. Again, there weren't any Stonemaier games there, it was just other games from other designers. And one little twist this year that I really enjoyed is that uh, because Design Day is only one day, we tried to build in some other activities into the weekend. Some people just who are coming from out of town just hang out in St. Louis and do St. Louis-like things. There is a wonderful person, Melissa, who hosts a, uh, a long game night the night before. And this year I decided, given my love of disc golf, my recent love of disc golf, I decided to invite anyone who wanted to learn to play or wanted to just play around round of disc golf to join me on Saturday. And so we, I think around a dozen people showed up and we split into three different groups. One was led by uh, my friend Paul, who also who got me into disc golf, also designer of Honey Buzz, and my friend Kevin, who is also a gamer who in, is into disc golf. They each took a group and I took a group and we just played around of disc golf. And it was a beautiful day in St. Louis and it was awesome to just share my love of that game with other people um, during the day. So yeah, that, it was a really, really special weekend. It was awesome to see Susanna's in the comments here. Susanna was there all day for her first design day. Susanna is our retail relationship manager and Alex and Joe were there. Alan was there. Uh, Lydia, our cultural consultant was there for part of the day. It was, it was just a really, really cool day. If you're interested in anything that I've described here about design day, go to our website and check out the, um, there should be on under about and then events or like conventions and events, there should be a link to sign up for essentially a back and stock notification. So next year when we list the design day, we do one of these once per year, you can, uh, you'll get an email about it to see if you're available to come and attend and, and hang out. Anyway, let me jump back to the comments here. I just wanted to share uh, how excited I am that, that that design day happened. Also, and I should thank Joe, because Joe's the one that coordinated the actual day and ran the day itself. And Pieces. Pieces are incredible hosts. They did a wonderful job hosting us, as they have for the last, like, four or five years. Oh, Keith, Keith I here from Thunderworks Games says he'd love to come down for a playtest day next year. Keith, yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you were absolutely more than welcome. Um, Get in touch with me if you want to do that, Keith, or sign up on the on the back and stock form. That's probably the, the most guaranteed way that you'll get an email about it at the right time. But yeah, we'd love to have you there. And we have found that more and more there are publishers that are scouting games at Design Day. I'm kind of doing that a little bit throughout the day, but there are other people who, who are there to, to look out for games from other publishers. There are a few other publishers who do attend the day. And uh, yeah, we've had, there have been a number of games that have come out of Design Day, either self-published or published by other other publishers. Okay, back to Jordan's question. Sorry, Jordan, I went off on a tangent there. He, Jordan says, I'm working on a design with historical figures in it. 
I had somehow missed the Rule 7 from Guidelines and Requirements. I think Jordan's talking about the Stonemaier Games submissions guidelines. Are the historical figures a total deal-breaker for Allen? Um, it's not really about Allen. It's about Stonemaier Games. Allen is just the first filter for CNR Games. Or will he nonetheless review the submission? He says, I'm quite open to constructive criticism and improvements to fit your policy, but it's better to know in advance. So, Jordan, we had, I, I'd suggest that you go and read an article on our, on our website, um, it's, if you search for like cultural consultant and viticulture world, you will see an article about why we have decided not to put historical figures or events in our games in the future. Um, it is not some of our games saying at all that we don't want to see that type of thing in games, but uh, we had a somewhat scarring situation happen where we tried to do everything right and tried to put all the all the stop gaps in place to prevent. Uh, kind of, I would say, uh, cultural harm from happening, and it still happened. Something slipped through that was pretty bad, and uh, we are not going to risk that happening again. So, it is a deal breaker, um, and uh, and and yeah, we we we're not going to, we're definitely not going to put historical uh, figures in a game. So, you can't submit a game to us that has that, or, or if you do, we we won't look at it. But you are welcome to, if you really really want some of our games to look at your game. Um, you could retheme that part of the game in a non-historical context or make up fictional people. Like, it, yeah, just don't have it be based on, on real historical people, real world people. Tim says, I was wondering if you've thought about making the duet tokens available in the base game five colors and how much something like that would cost. We haven't thought about it because it would honestly cost quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, I know people like playing their specific color. Uh, and I, I totally get that. It'll, it'll be a little jarring if you always play red to play black or white, the two colors provided in Wingspan Asia. But no, we don't plan on doing that. I guess if you feel really passionate about a certain color, Tim, um, you could paint the tokens. You could you could just take the, the, the 15 tokens in your player color and paint them the color that you want them to be. Yeah, good question, though. Trevor says, I was inspired by your design day and have created his own design day. Uh, sorry, Facebook scrolled past it. For the Twin Cities area, which is not only a playtest event, but a meetup where folks can come work on designs, playtest, or attempt design challenges. Just started in September and can't wait to watch it grow and maybe attend yours someday. That's awesome, Trevor. That's really, really cool. Uh, I know it takes a lot of work to do that, so I, I think it's incredible that you're doing that. And, uh, and tomorrow, when I post tomorrow's blog post, feel free to comment or post in the comments a little bit of information about that so people can see it. That's the best place, I think, for it to be, uh, for people to find it in, in the future. Um, yeah, that's really cool. And, and one thing I'll mention about our event that I, I do like, I'll emphasize this again, that it isn't just about playing unpublished games and games in progress. That's a big part of the day. But because we're at Pieces, we're surrounded by games from a variety of different publishers and so uh, published games. And so people end up playing those games and hopefully learning from them. It's just a great environment to talk about game design, getting people in that mindset of let's talk about game design today. Let's talk about what we love about games, what frustrates us about games. And all that creative energy and all that information, I think, can inform the the play tests that are happening at the same time as well that's a fun little fun little twist uh trevor says his happens every two weeks or so and if anyone's listening to this uh if you're if you're in trevor's area where did you say twin cities area that's a great option also um check out meetup.org or meetup.com it's been a while since i've been there but meetup i think is a great way a great web app of finding play tests events in your area there probably are some events in your area so check that out and trevor if you haven't listed yours on meetup i'd highly recommend that i think that's a great place for people to look and find for events like that sirkan says does the will the nesting box be available from matigo in france sirkan yeah i i'll read from from our website the nesting box page of our website to let you know what we say about that so the nesting box is language independent, though all first printing copies made and sold by Stonemaier Games include an English copy of Wingspan Asia inside the box. So everything that we're selling is uh, has the English language version inside the box. However, the following localization partners also acquired copies of the nesting box without the expansion inside. They can sell these as they wish, with or without their version of Wingspan Asia. Please ask them how and well they would sell, how and when they will sell the nesting box. So the key part of this answer here is Ask Matigo. Ask, ask the localization partner that corresponds to your copy of the game because we only sell the English copies. Among those partners that did acquire copies of the nesting box are Surf and Meeple, that's China, Wanted Games, Korea Board Games, Matigo, that's France, that's the one you were asking about, Grok, 
Genos, Maldito, Delta Vision, and Mindoc. Let's see. Um, Sir Ken asks, what's the price of the nesting box? We don't reveal the price for our new products until the actual pre-order day because that price could change in the meantime. So we like to give ourselves the flexibility for that to change in the meantime. I've been telling people to set aside $200 for it, which is way more than you actually need for it, but just so you can get in the mindset that you're probably gonna spend a considerable amount of money on this box. It's, it's an expensive box. It's expensive to, to make, to freight ship, costs that we cover and also just the parcel shipping costs will be expensive as well so um set aside a decent amount of money for it if you really want to get this box and you can be pleasantly surprised when the actual cost the actual price is less than 200 dollars. george says i'm listening to your podcast uh, each morning when i have his coffee they're the perfect five to six minute indulgence to keep them coming thank you george i appreciate that that affirmation, I, I wasn't, I'm never quite sure if anyone's actually listening to them, although maybe I can look at the data a little bit. But what George is referring to is that for the last month or so, I have been recording audio of my twice weekly Stillmire Games blog and sending it to a very helpful guy, Joshua Heiser, who posts that audio in a variety of different formats. Wherever you get your podcast, you can probably find the Stillmire Games podcast. Um, and so George, I'm glad I'm glad you're enjoying it. It's very short. It's just literally me reading the blog post from that day, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad that's helpful for you. I, I'm doing it because I I realize that some people might prefer to consume it that way rather than reading the blog itself. And in that note, I'll I'll mention that my recent blog post on Monday it was a guest post from Fulfill Right about comparing the prices of freight and and parcel shipping from between now and before the pandemic to show how that's changed over time. And uh, my Thursday post was about a, a nice, a fun, for me at least, retrospective post about are the reasons that Stillmire Games quit Kickstarter, are they the same reasons that we continue to not return to Kickstarter? So we stopped using Kickstarter as a creator or crowdfunding as a creator back in 2016. Our last project was in 2015, delivered in 2016. And, uh, it, it, you know, we're now in 2022. It was me looking back and seeing, does, do these reasons still make sense? Um, and, uh, or, or really, not do they make sense so much, but what, what are the reasons now? And do the, reason, do, do the original reasons still apply? So that was a, I really enjoyed writing that blog post to see how I stand on, on those, uh, those questions now. Oh, and last, uh, my video this past weekend on Sunday was about number parity in games, especially when there's random input. So if you have, or, or any, any element of randomness, like if you draw a random card, you roll some random dice, games where, say, rolling a six isn't just always inherently better than rolling a one or a two, that there may be reasons that you want one or two on some dice and you want higher numbers on other dice. I listed 26 examples of games that use number parity. It was kind of a rapid fire video. So if you're curious about games that do that and looking for ways to do that in your game and have one number not just strictly be better than others, check out that video. Glenn says, have you or would you use big data win-loss rates, dominant strategies from Stillmire apps or BGA implementation to rebalance a game in a second edition? Or have you found any previously undiscovered strategy from having a huge range of data available as a mega playtest of existing games? It's a great question, Glenn. Yeah, I love the data that we're getting from places like Board Game Arena and that I honestly wish that I'd get a little bit more from our full AI digital apps. It's a little bit harder to get that data from them for some reason. Um, it would take a lot for me to pursue a second edition of a game. Um, my personal belief of what a second edition, uh, when a game merits a second edition is when you need significant changes to the rules, mechanisms, or art, um, art or graphic design. And uh, we did that very early for a game. We did it fairly recently. We did, so we did it for Viticulture a long time ago. We did it fairly recently for Between Two Cities. Well, the reasons weren't for any of those reasons. Uh, the reasons were just we thought it would be a good opportunity to combine the expansion with Between Two Cities' core game because I, we thought that was the best experience from the beginning of Between Two Cities. So um, if you're new to Between Two Cities, rather than having you have to get the expansion and the core game, um, we just packaged it all in one box. And the box does have new box art. So... For us to do that for another game, it would really mean that the game needs significant changes, whereas uh, we haven't seen that really in any game. The only maybe close exception to that is uh, is Tapestry. We don't have any plans to do a new edition for Tapestry. However, 
we are working on adjusting some of the some of the civilizations that are seen as way too weak, way too strong, or just not all that fun to play. And we will be coming out with a pack of just those revised adjusted civilizations. So I think that is another way to address that. You don't always need a full new edition for a game. You can also just uh, uh, address the one specific concern and create an update, update pack for that specific thing. And a lot of that comes from the data that you're mentioning here, Glenn. George, uh, uh, back to George's comment now. The Excel Gamer says, have I noticed any positive or negative feedback with the Discord server? Are you happy with it? What is something you wish was in the server that is not currently there? So we got a lot of help in setting up the Stonemaier Games Discord, Discord server. Um, if I had set it up, I'm sure I would have plenty of concerns and uh, need a lot of help with it. But from the beginning, we had some people that knew Discord really, really well. And I think it's fantastic. Uh, I haven't heard really many many concerns about it as well i will say i am not super active in it i mainly pop in to the discord server when someone tags me so when someone at tags me and i can see the highlight there and so i otherwise i have largely muted the server because i get a i would get a ton of alerts from people constantly throughout the day and it would be a, pretty much a constant distraction for me to constantly see that there's something to check out there that probably doesn't apply to something that i need to reply to so um i really i really can't think of anything i, I i'm talking about how i'm using it but uh i, I really don't have any I, it seems to be working really really well there i it seems to be a great outlet for people who would rather talk in the server with um, with Stomar fans than talk in a specific Facebook group about those games. Or maybe some people are doing both. They might be talking in both groups. But overall, I would highly recommend the Discord server. And I have a blog post about about it. I think I posted right either right before or right after I made it. One thing that we have done is we, even though I'm talking about it right now, it isn't something that we've linked to on our website because I guess we don't want someone... We're, we're, I get, my thinking is, if someone discovers Stonemaier Games for the first time, uh, it doesn't seem like the right moment for them to, to join the, the, the deep dive kind of fan community Discord server of Stonemaier Games. The link is in our e-newsletters. It's in the e-newsletter. It's in our champion newsletter. It's in our ambassador newsletter. So it's kind of like if you want to go deeper into Stonemaier Games, that's what the Discord server is for. Um, Whereas the Facebook groups are a lot easier to just to pop in for the first time and ask a quick question about a, like a quick rules question if that's your first interaction with Stonemaier Games. Chad, Tim, thank you for joining us today. Uh, another Tim has a very nice comment about uh, the amount of fan quality engagement is astounding. I don't know how you find the time so impressed. Oh, thank you, Tim. Um, I mean, you're right. It, it, it does take some time, but this is why I do it. I... I I, I'm here to, to publish games and bring joy to tabletops worldwide be, because of because of you. Um, that's that's where the, the joy comes from. So I, I, I feel very grateful for the opportunity to have this type of interaction with people who, who want to pop in and say hi, as well as the other social networks that we're on. I did realize recently, I'm going I'm to talk out loud a little bit here. Um, so I recently stopped using Twitter as Jamie Stegmeier. Um, there is still a Stomeyer Games Twitter account. And I'm processing right now whether or not I want to talk about it in a blog post or not, because it's more specific to me than it is specific to Stillmeyer Games. Um, but I'll talk about it out loud a little bit here, and you all can let me know your thoughts if you think I should delve a little bit deeper into it. And, and part of the context here is that I only write Stillmeyer Games blog posts if I think they might be helpful for other people. I don't write, that's the whole point of it. You know, I'm writing them to hopefully add value to other people. But uh, I basically realized that there was a little interaction I had on, on Twitter um, where I definitely wasn't my best self. And this was a very recent interaction um, where someone posted a spoiler for Wingspan Asia just like an hour before I was going to post what Wingspan Asia is all about after waiting you know, three, four months, even longer through the development of Wingspan Asia for me to reveal this news. And then I kind of got scooped at the last minute. And... I it didn't even post really a snide comment, but it was a little passive aggressive where I, I replied to the person. I was like, hey, you know, we really appreciate if we can, if, as the publisher of the game, that we could be the first to reveal the stuff about the game. To this reviewer's credit, they didn't know that we hadn't revealed it. They just saw it at Essen um, a little bit earlier than I thought people were going to see it at Essen. There was a day earlier. 
and they just posted it. They were excited about it. Um, they didn't really didn't really do anything wrong, and I was a little passive aggressive in response. Uh, and what ensued was a lot of people jumping in and commenting on um, actually two things. I, I think some people were kind of agreeing with me, which really wasn't the point. I, I was I was making a, a tweet really just to this person, and maybe I should have just commented uh, more directly to that person. Um, and other people were kind of piling on the other side of it, saying like, Jamie, that type of passive aggression isn't cool. I wasn't looking for feedback about it, but I was getting it from, from the random Twitter users of the world. Basically, what I realized from the experience, like it really ate away at me um, because I didn't feel like I was my best self in that, in that interaction. We're talking, Tim was talking about here about quality fan engagement. I didn't think that was quality fan engagement, the way that I did that. And I also didn't like uh, the kind of the piling on feeling that resulted. Like I, I knew that I had said something that wasn't good. I didn't need a dozen strangers to tell me that as well. Um, and for it to be retweeted and probably commented on in places that I didn't even know about uh, as if that that was like as if that one tweet defined who I am. And so I decided to stop like I, I kind of reflected a little bit. And I was like, I realized that some of the 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 my poorest moments, I think, on social media and the most disheartening moments from other people on social media have all come from Twitter. Uh, and all from my personal account. Some of the, like, I don't really manage the Stumar Games account. Joe manages that. So I realized, you know, why not cut this thing from my life that is not only causing me anguish, but also is presenting an opportunity for me to not be a good, uh, not be a great person when engaging with, with fans. Not in every circumstance, but in some circumstances. And so I cut it. I deleted it. I removed it. I, my, my Jamie Stegmaier account is deactivated on Twitter. It's not there anymore. And I have felt so much better after doing that. It's been a, a huge sense of relief to not have to think about that and worry about that and see just the random stuff that pops up on the Twitter feed every now and then when people uh, want to tag me and, and say something terrible out of the blue sometimes too, not just out, not just due to something that I, that I said on Twitter. Anyway, I'm processing this out loud right now because I don't know if there's any value in me talking about this in a blog post, but, um, but I thought I'd share a little bit about it today to see if you think there is any value there um, I don't want to just like write to complain about something because really, I mean, Twitter is a pretty cool interface. I can see value in it. Um, and also it came to mind the other day because I was listening to a podcast where someone was saying uh, that Twitter is a good place to get negative feedback. And I don't disagree with that, but I think, I think the, sometimes uh, it can be too much. Um, for, I think the emotional toll can be too much. And I, I think there are plenty of opportunities for negative feedback, constructive criticism that are, uh, that are, that are not Twitter. There are plenty of other ways to get that on social media uh, than, than Twitter. I'm not even quite exactly sure what it is about Twitter that I think has, has led to everything that I just discussed there. I'm not sure. I, I'm curious about your theories if you have any. Anyway, long ramble there, long tangent. I'll go ahead and back over to the comments here. Tim says that he enjoyed the new promo realms over the weekend. And Tim, I'm, I'm glad you're having fun with them. I'm actually going to do a live play. or not, uh, This week, I'm not going to do the live play. I'm going to do something different with Rolling Realms this week. Uh, today, tomorrow, and the next day, maybe I'll even film them all today because I'm not going to do it live. Instead, I am going to play on... Um, on my just I'm just going to record three videos of the three rounds of Rolling Realms because I can upload it in a much more higher much higher resolution if I do that and I want to see if people prefer that or if they like that opposed to the live streams where after I download it from Facebook it becomes fairly low res for anyone who's playing along. Zach says what are my thoughts on the race to the raft in Wonderland's war Kickstarter campaigns are there any other campaigns that you're currently watching? Zach, I am backing the Race to the Raft, and I'll probably back Wonderland's War, but I do have a good friend in my gaming group who owns it, so I have access to it already. Uh, but Race to the Raft, yeah, I love what, what Frank does at the City of Games, and I, I, I backed it yesterday morning when I saw it go live. Nier says, when will you have the next game or expansion reveal? Uh, I don't know yet. Uh, sometime early in 2023, I think, for... Uh, I think the Tapestry expansion is next up in the queue, but I really have no idea. Like, it depends on production and shipping and all that stuff. So I, I don't know when that'll be, but sometime I think in fairly early 2023. 
Tim asked if we watched any good movies lately. He says last night they watched the movie Fall. What was Fall about, Tim? I haven't, I haven't heard of Fall. What movies have we watched recently? I feel like we've been watching a lot of movie quality shows, like the Lord of the Rings show, the Game of Thrones show. We're about to start Andor in the near, near future. Um, I think the only movie... So we watched two movies a couple weekends ago. One called Meet Cute. Uh that I rated a four on my little chart here, but already can't really remember much about it. And the greatest beer run ever, which was a movie that kind of seemed to be deciding whether or not it wanted to be uh, a historical movie or a comedy. And it ended up being a little bit of a mix of the two, which is fine for it to be a little bit of both. That's on Apple TV. Both were fine. I think the last like really great movie I watched was No Time to Die, the last James Bond movie, which was surprisingly good. I haven't, I haven't loved the recent James Bond movies, but that one was was really, really good. George says, how is the Tapestry Playmat coming along? It's been in print for a while, it feels like. I, I, I'm guessing it's being shipped right now. I think it is in the freight shipping stage right now, so maybe it will be available sometime in the holiday season, but I'm not entirely sure. I'll check on that, George. In fact, I'll pull that up right now. I have access to that information. So let's see when the Tapestry Playmat Let's see if we can find it here. Playmat. Here we go. Well, I have the Red Rising playmat. That's on a container that hopefully will arrive soon. Yeah, we have one container that is is just waiting at port to be picked up and put on the train. It's been waiting there for a while. So it's not that one. Let's see if I can find tapestries. Oh no, tapestries on that one too. Everything's on this one container. Uh, we, <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, so I guess it, it's a lot closer than I thought. Uh, Susanna has a very nice comment about my whole Twitter thing. Um, uh, thank you, Susanna, for, for thinking about that. Nier says, so Susanna says, uh, well, yes, thank you, Susanna, for saying that. Nier says that Twitter is toxic. Um, I agree that I have seen a lot of toxicity on Twitter. And sometimes I have been toxic on Twitter. Like, that's the biggest thing to me. Like, if I've realized, you know, I, I really, truly try to embody positivity and love and joy. And if I realize that I'm not doing that on a platform, no matter what other people are doing, if I realize that, that I'm like buying into that level of toxicity, toxicity, that I am saying things that are passive aggressive or that, that are hurtful, that's like, that's the big red flag to me that maybe I need to get off that platform, that maybe it isn't good for me to be there because if I'm not adding that joy to people. So Nir, I don't know if Twitter is inherently toxic. Um, I don't think all people on Twitter are toxic. But I have seen it from other people and I've seen it for myself. And that was that was, I think, the the kicker for me when I when I realized that uh, when I realized that. Yeah. And Nancy Jane says, that's why I'm not on Twitter. I don't want to deal with a piling on. And then the piling on that is the maybe the thing that that is a little different about Twitter. I don't see that on other platforms as much. Um, and I think it's maybe due to the flow of the information on Facebook or YouTube or or Instagram. Um, that it's a lot harder to pile on on them. Uh, and I think a key thing to mention here, I think, is that constructive criticism and the ability to see it and read it and consume it, I think is really, really important and also not censor it, to, to be able to see it, to be able to, to put it out there and have it seen. But I, with piling on, and maybe that's the topic that I need to talk about in a blog post at some point, once a few people have mentioned that they are maybe disturbed by something you said, um, the next dozen people, the next hundred people, the next hundred thousand people, however many people do this, aren't really adding any value at that point. Like the person has either heard it or they haven't heard it. And at that point, it just kind of, kind of becomes a mob. And that's where it, uh, I think Twitter, Twitter amplifies that. Um, and that's, I think, where, where part of the, uh, the concern for me has come from. And one of the reasons that I, that I stopped using it very recently. Sam says he's coming a bit late. Uh, so he says, speaking of engagement and coming on the heels of my discussion last week about the community engagement regards in regards to Wingspan Asia, I've been impressed overall by your ability to engage in the BGG forums with a lot of people who are acting in bad faith. Yeah, BGG is an interesting place to see that too. Um, although I think BGG has pretty good uh, moderation on it. How do you can Sam says, how do you continue that engagement without getting frustrated and angry? And how do you keep up the energy to keep responding to people and answering questions? I think the thing is that 90% of the people out there are sharing their passion in some way uh, and 
they maybe they may not uh, express it in the most helpful way sometimes, but I think most people are expressing passion in some way that is either very easy to respond to, is joyful to respond to, or is constructive and, and helpful to respond to. Um, and then there's the kind of the bad faith uh, side of it, you know, the five to ten percent of people. And B2G makes it very easy to to block people. Like if 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 I see on any type of thread, you still my or otherwise, if I see someone who just seems to be trying to cause chaos or negative negativity, not to be constructive, not to make the world better, not to make the game better, um, not to start a conversation that can lead to something productive, but just to to bash on something. Um, I just don't. I just block like you block on BG when you block them it means that you you hide their post you hide their comments you just don't see them anymore you know they're there but you don't see those comments anymore and that has been really really helpful for me on board game geek um and every now and then i will report a comment if i see something that i'm like this person is just being really aggressive or rude to someone else i, I don't like seeing that um and i'll, I'll report it to board game geek there's a very easy way to report it and sometimes and this is i think really helpful for board game geek sometimes the moderators will agree with me when i when i do that i'll go back and i'll say okay they removed that comment and sometimes they won't and that's a good sign to me that maybe it wasn't as bad as i thought it was i saw one of these comments yesterday that that uh it was someone being just really really rude to someone else and i reported it i almost commented on it but i was like no i'm just i'll let the, this is the moderator's job it's not my job to moderate this thread i've reported it Maybe it is something that needs to be removed, maybe something not. But in general, I think the point is that most of the comments out there, most of the conversations, most of the people that I think are on BoardGameGeek um, are a part of a really healthy discussion. Um, it's only a, a small percentage when it's when it's unhealthy. And in those cases, when I when I see that, especially when I see a person interacting that way more than once, then I just hide their posts and I, I, I don't I don't I don't I don't have to worry about it. Okay, the Excel Gamer says, uh, and again, I don't want to, given that I'm saying that Twitter isn't a good place to pile on, I also don't want to pile on Twitter today, but maybe Twitter can handle it. Uh, the Excel Gamer says, as someone who's trying to become a board game content creator, I find Twitter to be a dumpster fire and will not touch it. I have one, but probably will not use it. The emotional damage that can occur from there is real and can be so negative. I've experienced that myself for sure, and I think I've also contributed it, uh, to that. I, I, I said some things that I regret on Twitter. And um, even though Twitter has added the ability to edit a tweet, I don't know. Uh, that, that's uh, it, something about it. Tim, Tim points out that social media isn't real life. It's a part of our world, but you're right, Tim. It's very different. Like, and that's a good question to ask, I think. When, when I'm posting any comment, any response, if I was talking face-to-face -face with you, I have to ask myself, would I be talking the same way to you? And if the answer is no, I, and that's a question I really need to ask myself more often, if the answer is no, I, I might need to to, uh, to check myself a little bit there and talk to you a little bit more like a human being than, um, than, a, than a line of text on the internet, than an avatar on the internet. Tim says, a comment can come across the wrong way when you can't hear the tone. Totally, absolutely. Tim says, you're a positive person, Jamie. I've enjoyed all the interactions that we've had in person. Thank you, Tim. I, I appreciate you saying that. Mark says it would be an interesting topic to talk about in a blog post because it is a situation that people can easily find themselves in. Um, that's a good point, Mark. Yeah, I, I'm sure I'm not alone in deciding whether or not a social media platform is good for me. I think maybe one of the reasons I'm a little hesitant to post about it is uh, I, I've seen people post, and I'm sure you've seen this, maybe you've done this. I've seen posts on social media, especially on Facebook, where someone posts and says like, hey, I'm, I'm going to leave Facebook for a while. I'm not going to be on here for a while. And... Um, and I, whenever I read those posts, I'm like, okay, like, hey, I don't know if I needed the post to tell me that. Like, I, I, I probably won't notice. Maybe, maybe they're saying that, like, if you want to reach me in the in the next month or so, you need to reach me in a different way. But when I think about contacting people, Facebook is not the way that I would do that anyway. Um, so I, I don't want to post. I, I don't want to make an exit post, basically. Um, but maybe there is other value in talking about uh, that people can relate to. William's here. Hey, well, I finally got to meet William for the first time at Design Day this past weekend. Got to play disc golf with William and, and uh, watch William play test his game. William says, sounds like you made a healthy boundary choice regarding Twitter. I think that's a great way to put it. I'm, I'm going to write that down. A healthy boundary choice. I think it's okay to have boundaries with social media. And I, I'm surprised that I didn't realize that for myself long enough. He says, what you said says makes sense. And I'm sorry you got so much hostility. 
And also, William was the root of some of that hostility. Uh, I don't like being passive aggressive in, in, in real life, as Tim says, real life. But uh, my comment, and my comment wasn't even try, trying to be passive aggressive, but it was passive aggressive. Um, yeah. Oh, Frank is here. That's awesome. Frank, I'm glad to see the campaign for Race to the Raft is, is going so well so far. Tim says, okay, back to the duet colors for Wingspan Asia. He says, I was amusing about the three to five player duet play ideas. That would be interesting to pull off. It's a very tight map, but maybe there is a way when you're like, since the tokens do combine, maybe there's a way to do that. Tim says, aside from that, are you watching the new Survivor? Absolutely. Oh yeah, I watch every season of Survivor. Um, we watch it on Paramount+. Plus. So I don't think the episode will be available for us until tomorrow, but, uh, but I am definitely watching it. I think we're all caught up as of last week. Anyway, not that we spoiled here anyway, but I'm loving Survivor. Every season I think is great. And I think this might be one of the best casts ever in Survivor. They've done an incredible job the last few seasons in particular of casting. And it's just the, the stories that people have and, and the approaches they have to the game. And what it does for me is it makes it really hard to see someone kicked off. In past years, there were usually a few people there. I was like, you know, I don't mind if they go. But this year, I really like everyone for different reasons too. So it's hard to see people get kicked off this year. Chris says, I found ticks, uh, uh, Twitter to be the most toxic of environments. That word toxic coming up again. And I'll mention uh, <laughs> dumpster fire. Again, I don't want to um, and pile on. He says, even when people don't try to make it that way. Yeah, that's the thing. That's that's the red flag to me. When people, when many people aren't maybe trying to do that, but they end up doing it anyway, including myself. Um, although I haven't, I've tried that to jump on a pile up. Uh, definitely not tried to do that. But to be the cause of it is also is also a concern. Chris says, I've learned to just ignore it for the most part. Maybe I could have done that. I could have just stopped paying attention to it. Um, glad removing it has lifted that burden from you. He says, we're looking forward to Wingspan Asia. Nier says, if I watched the Knives Out movie, I really enjoyed it. And apparently it's having sequels. Yeah, I love Knives Out. Fantastic movie. In fact, it's a great even upon rewatching it. I've rewatched it at least once, maybe twice. And I'm really looking forward to the sequels. Um, I think Netflix is releasing one of them in a theater fairly soon. And then it'll just be available on Netflix in general, at least here in the U.S. Chad says, did I play any cool new mechanisms at the design day? I saw a lot of pretty cool mechanisms at Design Day. Yeah, the creativity there was incredible. Um, let me see if there's one that I want to highlight here. In fact, it would be kind of cool to do a favorite mechanisms video of the games at Design Day. I didn't really go in with that that uh, that thinking, um, but I, I might want to do that next year. Uh, I don't know. One little thing that stuck out was there was a game um, called Biologique that I, I watched for a little bit and, and chatted with a designer about. And... Uh, it just had a very simple mechanism, but I really liked it. Uh, Susanna and Alex were playing it. They pointed it out to me where at the beginning of each round in Biologic, you roll four dice and those dice are your workers. You put them on the board and each of those dice has a little um, has a little resource icon on it. And if I understood it correctly from the way that I was watching, uh, when you if you if you need one of those resources, when placing the, the dice, the die acts as that resource. And in addition to that, at the point in time at the beginning of each round that you roll those dice, you gain those resource tokens as well. So it's a double benefit. I love double benefits in games. Um, hopefully I'm, I've explained that correctly. But it was a very simple mechanism, but really, really cool to see. Tim says that fall is about... Oh, yeah, 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 Tim, I remember seeing this. Fall is about two women who climb a 2,000-foot TV tower and the ladder breaks away, leaving them stranded alone. That's quite... Uh, I can see why that would be quite intense and intense. Uh, I'll have to look into that, Tim. Thank you for, for the recommendation. Chris says, do I play any mobile games? Have I tried Marvel Snap that released yesterday? You know, I have not played a mobile game in quite, quite some time, Chris. Um, let's see if I even have any on like the first few screens of my phone. I don't think I do. There's one that like every now and then I'll play if I get really, really bored and can't do anything else. But even then I'll usually probably just read my Kindle. But no, nothing on the first two pages of my phone. There's one game that I used to play a little bit called Stupid Zombies, but I don't think I've opened that app for forever. So no, I don't really play many mobile games, but let me know what you think about Marvel Snap. Carol says, if I had the chance to look into or play Endless Winter, I think you would like the decision space, dual-use player cards, and smooth integration of a variety of mechanisms. I have paid attention to it a little bit. I'm waiting for some reviews to come out about it, and maybe I should start looking into them a little bit deeper. 
Um, but no, I haven't played it, and I, I don't know much about it yet. So I, I appreciate the recommendation. Tim says, okay, I think Tim says this really well. I think the difficulty with Twitter is that it elicits your instant thoughts, which can get even the best of us in trouble. That's really well said, Tim. From a business decision, staying off Twitter is probably a safe choice. Um, yeah, yeah, it elicits, I'm going to write this down. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to forget who said all these things. So if you read a post about Twitter and you know you said one of these things, uh, thank you for, for saying these things. Elicits your instant thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, when I saw that, when I, when I saw the, the post that showed a, a spoiler for something that I was really, really excited to reveal just an hour later, I had the ability to respond instantly. And even though I tried to keep it nice, I mean, I said, to the, I said something to the effect of, I would really appreciate if as the publisher of the game that we could be the first one to, to reveal these things. Um, that was an instant kind of a knee jerk reaction, knee jerk. Um, and, uh, I probably should have just not said anything and just, you know, waited an hour and, and done the thing where I released the details about it anyway, but instead I had the opportunity to say something. And so I did, and that wasn't the right call. Okay. Tony's still playing through spooky games this month. And, uh, he says this week's game was nemesis. While three of the crew survived and were victorious, the fourth crew member perished during hypersleep due to an undetected infection. It's a great spooky game to play this month. I think I do have a ga game of Betrayal lined up for this weekend. We'll see if it actually uh, happens, but I, I think it's fairly likely that it'll happen. William says, I'm not sure if I missed it, but did you have any remarks or reflections regarding Design Day? Yeah, William, I said it probably around, I don't know, minute five or ten in this video. Talked a little bit about what we did at Design Day and how excited I was to see all the creative energy in that room and from designers like you to come from all over to sh showcase your games. William says it was, and also William, I'm going to talk about it in a blog post tomorrow on this Tomorrow Games blog. William says it was an intensive prototyping event and I enjoyed meeting so many awesome gamers. I had to leave the event a little early, so I'm not sure how it was concluded. Also, Clementine's ice cream, naughty or nice flavors are phenomenal. I totally agree. I'm glad you got to try those out, William. Um, I love their ice cream. I particularly love their chocolate fudge. I think it's the, one of the best chocolate ice creams that I've ever had. Uh, I'm so glad you came. It was nice to meet your, 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 your little kid, your little two-year-old. Um, and, and I think it was two and, uh, and your wife, and I'm glad you got home safe. It's, it's tough to leave. I mean, it's a long, intense day. And then you had the, you drive back to Kansas city. That that's a, that's a long drive to, to make. Um, so some people did leave early, I think to, to get those trips in motion. I left, I think I left around eight or eight 30 and I hadn't eaten yet. So I was very hungry when I got home. Nir says on, on the board game geek engagement topic, I'm always surprised that smaller publishers designers are not engaged on B2G. That is a little surprising. It's very easy to subscribe to your own game on BoardGameGeek and see every comment that anyone makes about it. I think my only maybe small complaint about that is that it means that whenever someone puts your game up for sale on BoardGameGeek, you get an alert for that. I wish I could choose to not get alerts for that. Like I, I don't need to know when someone is selling a copy of Wingspan. Um, Nier says, if I had one or few games that are my babies, I would be all over being engaged with the community there. I'm always surprised to me that designers ignore BGG or at least not answer questions that clearly nobody knows the answer for. Um, and I, I would counter that a little bit. I, I agree with you. I would counter a little bit that uh, every now and then I see someone post on BoardGameGeek and someone else posts or, or posts a question. Someone else posts a reply. That is the correct answer. And the person replies again and says, like, I'm going to wait for the official answer. Um, but I think like maybe eight times out of 10, especially if the publisher is engaged in that conversation or in, in the games, in the general conversation about that game, that if the publisher hasn't replied there, it means that the correct answer has already been there. And I think it is a little discrediting to the person who took time to reply with that answer for the other person to say like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not going to count that answer. I'm going to wait for someone else to say it. Um, so if anyone has ever done that, be aware of that. Like be, be respectful of the people who take the time to answer questions. And if the publisher hasn't chimed in, it probably means that the correct answer is already clearly stated in the thread. Uh, okay, Frank's going to come in about Twitter here. He says, this is Frank, another fellow publisher and designer. He says, one thing I would say about Twitter is it is more open. He says, his Facebook page, Facebook group, Board Game, Ge Board Game Geek Game Forum are primarily my community. That's true. You, you have more control of them. It's your community. With Twitter, it's much easier for things to move to the wider outside audience beyond his community who want to build their own follower base, which is easier to do when sharing controversial opinions as it encourages further engagement. I think you've said that really well, to, uh, Frank, because there, there are pros to that. 
anyone is welcome. And, and well, anyone is welcome either way, but it's easier to jump in into a conversation on Twitter. And um, but the downside is uh, you can't. What is it? You know, clickbait. It's easier to to state things as clickbait on Twitter in the hopes of building your follower base, if that's your goal on Twitter. Um, I think there's also a certain amount of confirmation bias on Twitter. That's where the kind of the 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 piling on the 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 mob mentality, whether it's a mentality or just something that happens, can can ensue because suddenly you see people agreeing with you and you're like, oh wow, people actually agree with this thing that that uh, that felt a little dirty to say. They're agreeing with me. I'll, I'll continue this way, and other people are, are jumping in there and joining in. Um, but you're right, it is it is open. I, I should mention the positives as well. Twitter is open. Yeah. Adam says, we're looking forward to the nesting box. We're now up to 410 games of Wingspan. Oh, no, not games of Wingspan. Games on your shelf. Uh, so hopefully this one will free a little space on the shelf and looking forward to the new expansion. I That's a good, good comment there, Adam. I don't think the nesting box will immediately free space on your shelf. But in the long run, it will. Um, because in the short term, it's taking up more space than the Wingspan box. And while you probably right now on your shelf need the wingspan box plus an expansion box, the nesting box is even bigger than that. But in the long run, everything should fit into the nesting box, which would be great. Uh, he also has a comment about Monster Couch, the, the digital developer, and adding the Oceania expansion. I, th I know they're working on it, but it takes them a while to do that. I think that'll be a 2023 release. The Excel Gamer says they're excited about the Christmas Story sequel. Uh, Chad has a good comment here about uh, the social media pileup. Reminds me of a Black, Black Mirror episode as well as an Orville episode where the whole society legal system is com comprised of thumbs up and thumbs down votes from everyone across social media. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Orville does one of those as does Black Mirror. Um, a super scary vote or a super scary thought that society could, could veer in that direction. Awesome. Susanna confirms that that mechanism that I described in Biologic, uh, I described it correctly. And it's really cool, Susanna. I, I love that double benefit from that game. This is a game that was featured at Design Day this past weekend. Uh, Nancy Jane says, uh, and this is true too, the, the character limit. She says, I suspect that part of the problem on Twitter is the character limit. You don't have time to explain one complicated thought um, in a single tweet. Um, and you're right. Yeah, oftentimes I see long chains of tweets, uh, but... If you isolate one of those tweets, it might look really bad or might look just might not represent the full scope of your opinion uh, because you've had to use other tweets as well to comment on it. It also, I think, doesn't give you time to let your own thoughts evolve because your earlier comments in that conversation can be highlighted so far beyond the conclusion or where you ended up being. Rory says, what am I reading at the moment? Rory, I am leading the th I'm reading the third book in the Scalomance series. I don't know the name of it, but if you look for the series Scalomance, you can see it. It's a, it's a three-book series from Naomi uh, Navik, I think is the author's name, about a magical academy um, and kind of a magical academy gone wrong in many ways. Yeah. What are you reading right now, Rory? Or anyone else is watching this? What, are you reading anything really, really good? Chris says that Marvel Snap, the mobile game that he was talking about, has some cool mechanisms that plays similar to other digital card games like Hearthstone, but I really like the three locations and their effect mechanisms and can see them implemented in other games. I'll check it out. Yeah, Marvel Marvel Snap. I don't know if I'll play it, but, uh, but I'll certainly take a look at it. I'm so behind on playing digital games. Like I, I have a list of games that I want to play. Right now the list is Dwarf Romantic. I want to play Rift Force, which isn't technically a digital game, but um, I don't have access to it non-digitally. I want to play Dice Legacy, Tunic, Sable, Legends of Runeterra, Might and Magic, Clash of Heroes, Rogue Book, A Short Hike, Into the Breach, and 8-Minute Empire. I think I own all of those games on Steam and have not played them because whenever I, whenever I would play a digital game, that's a time that I probably should be designing games anyway, and I feel guilty about it and go design games instead and don't feel guilty anymore. Samantha says, any likelihood of returning to the Scythe Legendary Box and making an official organizer for it? Great question, Samantha. Um, if I hadn't decided that we were officially ending uh, Scythe, I probably would consider doing that. But because I have said many times now that we're, kind of, we're done making Scythe stuff, uh, at this point, um, if we reprint the, the Legendary Box, which heavily depends on the cost of freight shipping, which seems to be going down, 
uh, there's some hope there that uh, if people want to organize their legendary box in, in a really organized way, that you probably will have to get uh, another organizer. And there are a, a number of third-party independent organizers that are designed to fit the legendary box. But, uh, but we don't want, plan on selling one ourselves or creating one ourselves. Mike says he saw my tweet that morning that I posted my last or one of my last Twitter tweets. He says the reaction was fairly understandable. Sometimes you need to treat a tweet like a work email. Sometimes I need to walk away for 10 minutes and reread what I want to send and send something that won't end up with HR. Uh, not that your tweet was nearly that bad. And my tweet, like out of context, really wasn't that bad at all. It was me, but it was passive aggressive. Um, wasn't meaning to be, but it was. Um, and Mike, you're totally right. In fact, I have, I use Outlook for my email and I have Outlook set so that when I send an email, there is a two to three minute delay between when it actually leaves my, my uh, outbox. Is that what it's called? Yeah, outbox. And that way, if I write something and even if, maybe, if it, maybe it's just a normal email, maybe it's a knee jerk reaction, whatever it is, if I write something, I actually have a few minutes to process it and be like, wait, do I really want to say it that way? Or am I missing something? And I can go back and edit it before it's officially sent. I think Gmail um, does the same thing. I think, or Gmail has an option for you to do that same thing. But that has saved me so many times. If you use, if you use Outlook, I would highly recommend adding that, that little, uh, whatever they call it, Outlook. It's like a widget or a gadget or something, um, a macro, probably a macro, to, to stall outgoing emails. Life-changing. Once I started doing that, huge, huge impact and huge uh, positive impact, I would say, on, uh, on the emails that I've sent out. And maybe I should make a note about that too, yeah. Uh, Tim says, the, the Night Cage is an excellent spooky game. Talking about spooky games for the month of October. Hoping Mysterium Kids soon comes out soon. Would love to get it for his daughter. I haven't heard that there was a Mysterium Kids version and just got Quacking Co. Let me know if Quacking Co. holds up for adults. Susanna says, there's a way to change your subscription preferences on Boarding Geek. I'll send you a screenshot so you don't have to see for sale notifications. That's awesome, Susanna. I didn't know that. That's, that's wonderful. Thank you for letting me know. I, I had no idea. I see so many of those sale notifications. But I, I just, I, the one thing, nice thing about Boarding Geek, though, is that it categorizes the types of, um, of notifications that you're getting for anything that you subscribe to. And so it's very easy for you to kind of hide all or mark all as red within a certain category while also focusing on the categories that you care about. David says that Dorf Romantic has, has a board game now, so you can just play that. You're right. I did see that, David. I kind of want to still play both of them. I think I have bought the digital game, just haven't played it. But, but I do want to play the board game version of it as well. Justin says, will we ever see a full rule book for all of Wingspan rules once the game's development cycle is over? Well, Justin, a little bit of good news there. I don't know if you saw the news, but in Wingspan Asia, the rule book that we created for it is a comprehensive rule book for all of Wingspan so far. So everything that you need to know from Wingspan is all consolidated in that rule book. And so I think probably since we did that, and we really went out of our way to do that for you, um, I think it maybe slightly has decreased the chances that we'll do it again. And instead, maybe when we're done with the remaining three expansions, we might do a consolidated rule book for those three. And so you need two rule books, but two is much better than, than seven, right? So, but the good news is if you get Wingspan Asia, you will have the consolidated rule book for everything so far. You can also see it on our website. It's there right now. Rory is rereading Wicked. Um, it's the Wizard of Odd from the Wicked Witch's point of view. Yeah, I haven't, I, I'm, I'm, I haven't seen the musical, but I've heard it's a great musical. Um, I didn't know that it originated in a book, but maybe I need to check that out. Carol said, back to teaching. Have a great day, Carol. Thanks for popping in. Let's see if there's anything else that I missed here. Oh, I had a question here that I should have let off with. Um, yeah, yeah, I can't remember. I wrote this after last week's livecast, but I had a question for you all um, a little late in today's livecast. In fact, I will just save it for next week. Um, the question to think about for next week are is... Do you have any Stillmeyer games in your collection that you haven't played? I'd like to know what they are and why. But save that, save your answer for next week, next next Wednesday when I'm back. Also, I played of the games that I played recently. I, I didn't play any games at Design Day. I kind of just moved around and watched a lot of games being played. But uh, I think the only game that I played in the last week was Dog Park, and I loved it. I was del completely delighted by it. I got it the same day as game game night, and I learned it, taught it, played it the same day. Went really smoothly and just had a blast with it. And I can't wait to play it again, especially with the dog lovers in my life. Jerry says, Return to Monkey Island is a wonderful new digital adventure game to play if you're a fan of the series from back in the 90s. You know, I heard reviewers talking about this game recently. I had never even heard about the original. 
He says, Libertalia reminds me of Monkey Island from time to time. That's great. Thanks for the, for the recommendation, Jerry. I, I won't have the nostalgia factor there, but I'm curious about it. Uh, Rory recommends Rift Force. Uh, yeah, I'm very curious to play Rift Force. I've heard the Decision Space podcast guys talk about it in, in very kind views over, over the last year. And uh, a few people were commenting on the idea of delaying emails. Yeah, check out check out ways to do that. Whatever your email platform is, if you have a way to delay it by even a minute, I like two or three minutes, it can be really, it's, it's incredible how to do it. And I also have mine set up in Outlook so that if I really need the email to send right away, you can include a keyword in the subject line that gets it to just send right through. And my keyword is urgent. And so if I put urgent in the subject line, uh, it, it just it goes right through. It doesn't have that delay. Zach says, what player count did we play Dog Park at? We played it at four. I think maybe there's a fifth player based on the, on the score pad, but we didn't, we didn't, I don't have that expansion as far as I can tell. But yeah, we played at the full player camp four and really enjoyed it. I'm curious to play it with two with just Megan to see if we still really enjoy it. I'm guessing we will, but uh, I'm curious to find out. Nancy Jane just got Dog Park too. All right, I've got to take off. I've got to make lunch for, for Megan and I. Um, but thank you so much for jo joining me today. I really appreciate the discussion about Twitter. That was really helpful and clarified some thoughts and how maybe I can write a blog post about it in the somewhat near future. I will let you know. And uh, yeah, take care. Have a great day. I'll see you next Wednesday. Bye.